Welcome to another edition of Sean's Sports Show. That's right. You heard me correctly. This is episode number 145, and I am coming at you from Los Angeles, California on Sunday, September 23rd, 2018. Today, I'm going to be reporting each and every breaking news story in sports. I'm also going to be giving my unique opinion on all of them. And finally, to close out this episode, which will not be for a long time, as this is a, this is a very jam-packed episode, I'm going to cover... Uh, the news results and future matchups of the LA sports teams. So without further ado, the first news story that I have to cover is just, uh, you know, the week five AP poll for college football has been released. So I'm going to cover that real quick. So here's the rundown. Number one is Alabama. Number two is Georgia. Three is Clemson. Four is Ohio State. Five is LSU. Six is Oklahoma. Seven is Stanford. Eight is Notre Dame. Nine is Penn State. 10 is Auburn, 11 is Washington, 12 is West Virginia, 13 is Central Florida, 14 is Michigan, 15 is Wisconsin, 16 is Miami, 17 is Kentucky, 18 is eighteen is Texas, 19 is Oregon, 20 is BYU, 21 is, is Michigan State, 22 is Duke, 23 is Mississippi State, 24 is California, and 25 is Texas Tech. The Crimson Tide forced, or excuse me, faced their toughest test this season in the form of the Texas A&M Aggies. But Bama had little trouble beating the then um, 22nd ranked team in the country by a score of 45 to 23. Quarterback Tua Tagovailoa's uh, Heisman Trophy candidacy is was bolstered by a performance in which he threw for almost 400 yards and four touchdowns and rushed for another touchdown. Uh, according to ESPN stats and info, Alabama is off to its most dominant start in nearly 40 years. Arguably, the most impressive victory came courtesy of the Stanford Cardinal who overcame a 24-7 third-quarter deficit to beat the Oregon Ducks 38-31 in, over, in overtime. Despite the win, Stanford is still in seventh on the poll, at, uh, which is where they uh, were placed coming into the game. They appeared to be dead to rights late in the third quarter, with the Ducks driving to potentially take a 31-7 lead. But Joey Alfieri scooped a bad snap over Oregon QB Justin Herbert's head and returned it 80 yards for a touchdown. Stanford cut further into its deficit with a 22-yard touchdown run by running back Bryce Love on the next drive. A Ducks touchdown with 429 remaining <clears throat> appeared to put the game away at 31-21, but the Cardinals scored quickly to restore the three-point deficit and then recovered another fumble with 51 seconds left. After Jed Toner's 32-yard field goal forced overtime, tight end Colby Parkinson made a remarkable 23-yard touchdown catch by tipping K.J. Costello's pass to himself in the end zone. Stanford's Alameen Murphy then intercepted Herbert on a fourth down pass to the end zone to steal the most improbable comeback of the season. Oregon had a win probability as high as 99% in the second half of the game. This is according to ESPN Stats and Info. Uh, the Ducks stood to rise significantly in the rankings with the win, but instead they moved up just one spot from 20th to 19th on the list. Georgia and Clemson enjoyed double-digit victories over conference opponents Saturday with the Bulldogs beating Missouri 43-29 and the Tigers beating Georgia Tech 49-21. Ohio State also destroyed Tulane 49-6 in head coach Urban Meyer's first game back on the sideline following his suspension as we, we've all heard it. The one team near the top of the rankings that struggled to defeat a pretty weak opponent was Oklahoma as Army pu uh, pushed the Sooners to overtime. The Black Knights dominated uh, the time of possession as it was 44 minutes and 41 seconds to 15 minutes and 19 seconds by rushing for 339 yards. That kept Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray off the field, but he rushed for 71 yards and a touchdown while completing 11 of his 15 pass attempts for 165 yards with three touchdowns and one interception. So, um, 
Also, several ranked teams lost on Saturday, including Virginia Tech, Mississippi State, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Boston College. Uh, as as I already covered, the worst loss belonged to the um, Virginia Tech Hokies as they fell 49-35 to to an Old Dominion team that was 0-3 with losses to Liberty, Florida International, and Charlotte. Uh, they've never beaten a Power 5 school, and their win was the biggest upset of an a ACC opponent in four decades. Uh, Virginia uh, Tech quarterback Josh Jackson injured his ankle in the fourth quarter and was carted off the field as well, so that just added insult to injury. And they were no longer ranked after they checked in at number 13 last week. The AP Top 25 could experience a, a significant shakeup next week with number nine Penn State hosting number four Ohio State and number seven Stanford traveling to take on number eight Notre Dame. So I'm very excited for those matchups. Switching gears now to the NFL. New England Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski reportedly threatened to retire this offseason to prevent a trade to the, to the Detroit Lions. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, the team's nearly completed a trade on draft week, but he refused to take calls from the Lions organization and threatened to retire, leading the Pats and Gronkowski to work things out. NFL Network's Ian Rapport initially reported two weeks ago on, Gronkowski th on Gronkowski's threat to retire uh, rather than be traded, but Schefter added that the Lions were the team looking to acquire uh, Gronkowski. He, he would have been surrounded by some familiar faces in Detroit as head coach Matt Patricia was the Patriots' defensive coordinator and general manager Bob Quinn is a former Pats executive as well. Instead of the trade, Pat, uh, Gronkowski and New England agreed to a restructured, restructured contract that added $4.3 million and several incentives to his deal for the 2018 season per Schefter. The 29-year-old Gronkowski has spent his entire nine-year career um, in New England. He's a five-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro, first-team selection, and two-time Super Bowl champion who has the makings of a future Hall of Famer. He's one of the top pass catchers in Patriots history, ranked fifth in receptions with 483, third in receiving yards with 7,317, and first in touchdown catches with 77. In two games so far this season, he has made nine grabs for 138 yards and a touchdown. Um, on Sunday night today, uh, the game already happened, but um, he uh, played against the team, the Detroit Lions, that wanted him. So I'll be covering that. That's going to be the last uh, news story of this episode. Switching gears now to another NFL story. This is, uh, should be very concerning for Seattle Seahawks fans. I am not one by any means, but anyway. The Dallas Cowboys and Seattle Seahawks had trade talks regarding star safety Earl Thomas, though no deal was agreed upon. With the two teams facing off Sunday, it's possible those talks could resume. According to Ian Rapport of NFL.com, um, quote, um, while the two sides have not spoken since before Thomas reported to the Seahawks to begin the season, there are several people inside the Cowboys organization with who hope Sunday's game will serve as the impetus to begin conversations again. The Dallas contingent arrived in Seattle with open ears about that possibility. He was not among, amongst the team's inactives on Sunday. However, it appears the Cowboys may have competition from an early season Super Bowl contender. Quote, the Seahawks have engaged in trade talks with teams including the Cowboys about Thomas, but the Kansas City Chiefs have emerged as a candidate if a deal is made before the October October 30th trade deadline, sources said, according to ESPN.com's Chris Mortensen. While it may seem unusual for teams to strike a deal uh, right after facing one another, Rapport noted that, quote, last year the Seahawks traded for left tackle Dwan Brown right after playing his old team, the Houston Texans. Mortensen provided additional insight into the talks between the Cowboys and Seahawks. Quote, one league source told ESPN's Adam Schefter that a trade sending Thomas to Dallas is, quote, a super long shot. Seattle already has turned down um, a second-round draft pick from the Cowboys and wanted more for Thomas. Some sources around the league believe that the Seahawks did not want to trade Thomas until after they played the Cowboys in their home opener on Sunday. 
Thomas is also a longtime Cowboys fan who told the team's head coach, Jason Garrett, quote, if you all have the chance, come get me after a December game last year, per Jeremy Bergman of NFL.com. He later clarified those remarks, saying, quote, I've always been a Cowboys fan growing up. The biggest thing when I said, come get me, I didn't literally mean come get me now. I'm still in the prime of my career. I still want to be here. But when Seattle kicks me to the curb, please, the Cowboys, come get me. You know, this is a place where I want to be when they kick me to the curb. So that's what I meant by people. That's what I meant by people take me too serious. That's just who I am. Thomas is 29 years old, held out of the first week of September, uh, made a contract standoff. After not getting the long-term extension he desired, he noted on Instagram upon his return that, quote, I've never let my teammates, city, or fans down as long as I've lived and don't plan on starting this weekend. With that being said, the disrespect has been well noted and will not be forgotten. He remains one of the top safeties in the game, and he's a six-time Pro Bowler and a three-time first-team All-Pro. He was the leader of the famous Legion of Boom secondary that also included cornerback Richard Sherman and safety Cam Cam Chancellor, though the former is now in San Francisco and the latter is retired. So, uh, you know, that's that, uh, you know, very, I'm not surprised by this. Or, you know, it actually kind of is surprising looking at it from a different angle. But I don't think he's going to get traded. I don't think so at all. Uh, switching gears now to the NBA. Add the Toronto Raptors to the list of teams in the trade market for Minnesota Timberwolves star Jimmy Butler. According to Darren Wolfson of 1500 ESPN, quote, buzz this afternoon is that the Timberwolves have told at least one interested team that they can get a good player back. In other words, up your offer, more buzz, Toronto is interested. On Sunday, as we all, or ex- I have not covered this actually, on Sunday, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reported that the Brooklyn Nets, Detroit Pistons, Houston Rockets, Los Angeles Clippers, Miami Heat, Philadelphia 76ers, Portland Trailblazers, and Sacramento Kings were all inquiring about Butler. Though, quote, new fra- few franchises, if any, are engaged in serious conversations with the Timberwolves. He added that, quote, several teams are willing to take Butler without an, insur- without an assurance that he would re-sign with them in the summer. But Jaroski also later added that, that uh, he also added the Cavs to the mix, tweeting, quote, ESPN sources and other team pursuing a Jimmy Butler trade with Minnesota. Cleveland Cavs owner Dan Gilbert was seen talking privately with Glenn Taylor at NBA Board of Governors meeting on Friday. Both owners played a part in negotiating the Love-Wiggins deal. Kevin Love would not be in that trade, as Zach Lowe of ESPN noted. So Kevin Love would not make a homecoming return to the Timberwolves. Uh, so basically, if the Raptors want Butler, they'll be competing with half of the NBA. As for what the Raptors might offer in a deal to pair Butler with Kawhi Leonard, they may be uh, disinclined to get rid of Kyle Lowry and instead hoping to build a big three in Toronto. And the money wouldn't work in a straight swap between those players with Lowry due $31 million this season per SpotTrack.com and Butler owed $18.7 million. A trade for Serge Ibaka and Og Anunbi would work from a financial perspective. However, however, though, the Raptors would find themselves in a position with two players who could simply walk in for agency next summer in Leonard and Butler at the expense of giving away some young players. On the other hand, a trip to the NBA Finals or even a title might convince Leonard and Butler to sign long, long-term extensions to play with one another. So it's very interesting, but um, I don't see the Raptors pulling the trigger and trading for Butler. I just don't really see it happening. Switching gears back to the NFL. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are hoping, quote, Fitzmagic can continue even after Jameis Winston's three-game suspension comes to an end. Ryan Fitzpatrick will be the one who lines up under center for the Buccaneers in Week 4 against the Chicago Bears reported Jay Glazer of Fox Sports via Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. Fitzpatrick will remain the starter until he does, quote, something dramatically bad. Per Glazer, Winston has one game left on his three-game suspension to start the 2018 season for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy, stemming from a March 2016 incident in which he allegedly groped a female Uber driver. The 24-year-old signal caller apologized for his actions, 
via NFL Network's Ian Rapport. With Winston sidelined, journeyman Ryan Fitzpatrick filled in at QB for Tampa Bay and has been one of the biggest stories of his, of this young season. He has led the team to a 2-0 record, completing 78% of his passes for 819 yards, 8 touchdowns, and only 1 interception. His 417-yard 4-touchdown performance in Week 1 and 402-yard 4-touchdown performance in Week 2 earned the veteran back-to-back -back NFC Offensive Player of the Week honors. Although many assumed Winston would be back in the lineup upon return, Buccaneers general manager Jason Litched revealed on WFLA-TV in August that nothing was guaranteed for the former Pro Bowl quarterback, saying, quote, I don't think it's fair to say right now that he's going to be the guy, Litch said. He also noted that there was a couple of factors that could come into play. For starters, Tampa Bay's schedule would not make it easy for Winston to return in Week 4. The Bucks entered their game against the Bears on a short week, having played the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football in Week 3, which that game is tomorrow. Uh, also, the team's bye week in Week Five would provide Winston with more time to get kind of reacclimated with the offense, if that's direction, if that's the direction that the team wants to go. On the other hand, Lynch acknowledged Fitz, Fitzpatrick's uh, play could control the situation, saying, "Quote: If Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Griffin, whoever it is, is playing lights out, I don't, I don't think it's fair just to say yes automatically. Jameis is going to be the guy." Lynch said, and he said this in August. Now he may be Dirk and I, Dirk in particular. He's got he's got some time to think about that. Well, Fitzmagic forced the Buccaneers to make a difficult decision by getting off to an unbelievable start this season, and the team has no choice but to ride the momentum. It certainly didn't hurt Fitzpatrick's case to have three-time Pro Bowler Deshaun Jackson in his corner as well. Fitzpatrick has played for seven teams in his 14-year career, and even though he entered the season with a career record of 48-70-1, he does uh, bring stability to the QB position. He led Tampa Bay to a 2-1 record when Winston missed three games last season due to a shoulder injury. Also, it was just three years ago that he led the New York Jets to a 10-6 record, missing out on the playoffs due to a tiebreaker. After being taken, after being taken with the top pick in the 2015 NFL Draft, Winston has gone 18-27 and 27 as a starter in the NFL. He has been plagued by inaccuracy, throwing only, only uh, having a 60.8 career completion percentage, and, and a lack of ability to take care of the football, uh, throwing 44 interceptions and fumbling the ball 31 times across three seasons. So uh, we'll have to see how this plays out. But personally, I believe... 100% that they uh, sh uh, will uh, stick with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and they should. Switching gears now to another quarterback situation, the future is now in Cleveland. According to Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com, Baker Mayfield will be the Cleveland Browns' starting quarterback for their Week 4 game against the Oakland Raiders. Per Cabot, head coach Hugh Jackson will meet with, uh, with the quarterbacks and the team to inform them of the decision before going public. Mayfield, as we all know, made his first NFL appearance on Thursday in relief of the injured Tyrod Taylor, who suffered a concussion. The Oklahoma product entered Cleveland's 21-17 Week 3 win over the New York Jets in the second quarter and led four scoring drives with the Browns outscoring the Jets 21-3 after the takeover. Mayfield finished his debut 17-23 of for 201 yards with a 100.1 passer rating. Quote, he was so ready for this moment and he grabbed it by the horns. Wide receiver Jarvis Landry said after the win, According to the Associated Press's Tom Withers, he's really special. Uh, despite Mayfield's stellar opening act, Jackson was hesitant, hesitant to commit to the rookie in the aftermath of Cleveland's first win in over 635 days. He said at the time, quote, Yeah, I think until I'm able to talk to the players, will I officially say where I am Where I am with that? Jackson said, Friday per NFL.com's Kevin Patra, I've given the players the weekend off, obviously, so I'm going to take my time because I have some time. I'm going to get and I'm going to get an opportunity to meet with them here Monday morning and kind of go from there. So I believe they made the right choice here because Mayfield has the momentum and it just seems like the right move, in my opinion. 
Switching gears now to another quarterback situation. The Arizona Cardinals couldn't have picked a more pressure-packed scenario for rookie quarterback Josh Rosen to make his NFL debut. He entered entered Sunday's game with his team trailing the Chicago Bears 16-14 with less than five minutes remaining. He checked in after Sam Bradford absorbed a hard hit from Khalil Mack and lost the fumble on his team's previous possession, although the starter had his helmet while watching on the sidelines. Unfortunately for Cardinals fans, Rosen didn't treat them to the storybook I think they were surely hoping, hoping for when he entered the game. He led the Cardinals into Chicago territory, but threw an interception on a fourth down play to cornerback Bryce Callahan with pressure bearing down on him. He had one more chance on Arizona's last possession with zero timeouts and 43 seconds remaining, but he was sacked before he could unleash a desperation to Hail Mary. Still, the future seems to be bright, and um, although Arizona is now 0-3 on the season, there are some pieces on the roster to help uh, Rose's development. And personally, personally, I think uh, Josh Rosen will be just fine. Switching gears now to another NFL story. The Pittsburgh Steelers are reportedly listening to trade offers involving disgruntled running back Le'Veon Bell, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. Schefter reported Pittsburgh's shift in philosophy Sunday with belts set to miss Monday night's game against the um, excuse me against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the midst of a holdout. He has yet to report to the team as he missed the Steelers' first two games of the season, uh, first two games of the season against the Cleveland Browns and Kansas City Chiefs, respectively. Bell and the Steelers uh, were unable to come to terms on a contract extension during the offseason. The three-time Pro Bowler has refused to sign his franchise tender for 2018. And although he's missing out on $853,000 for each game he misses, he can still become a free agent during the offseason if he reports by week 11. Prior to the start of the season, Bell's agent, Adisa Bakari, suggested that a long holdout could be in store so Bell could preserve his health and value on the free agent market, per ESPN.com's Jeremy Fowler. So knowing that, any team that acquires Bell in a trade would be taking a significant risk uh, since he may not report until uh, until the latter portion of the season. Uh, one possible exception to Bell's stance would be if the team that acquires him manages to work out a verbal agreement on a contract extension since nothing can officially be signed until after the 2018 campaign. He led the NFL in touches last season with 406 and finished with 1,946 yards from scrimmage and 11 total touchdowns. During his absence, the Steelers gave the ball to James Conner, who has 152 yards and three touchdowns on the ground, as well as 10 receptions, 405 yards as well. While Connor has performed well during Bell's absence, the Steelers are off to a slow start this season at 0-1-1. Switching gears now to another NFL story. This was absolutely shocking today. I could not believe my eyes when I was watching this game. The Buffalo Bills pulled off the biggest upset of the young 2018 NFL season, blowing out the Minnesota Vikings with a 21-6 shocker on Sunday. Josh Allen was the big star in his second career start, leading the way with one touchdown pass and two rushing touchdowns. Although the Bills had been non-competitive in their first two games, the rookies' play might have turned around the season. Meanwhile, Kirk Cousins struggled very bad in the loss with two lost fumbles and an interception, giving the team few chances of a comeback after a poor start. The miscues set the tone of, uh, set the tone of the game as Minnesota turned the ball over deep in its own territory in each of its first two drives of the game. Buffalo averaged 27 points allowed in the first half through the first two weeks of the year, but the Vikings managed zero points and just two first downs before halftime. Uh, while the defense was doing his job, Allen was energizing the offense and making plays with both his arms and his legs. His rushing ability is what truly turned heads at the start of the game, including several highlights. He finished with 39 rushing yards and two scores on the ground while he did just fine through the air, going 15 of 22, 496 yards with one touchdown and no interceptions. 
While it's still early, Allen is showing the type of skill the, the Bills expected when they selected him with the number seven overall pick in the draft. Adam Thielen had a strong performance for, for Minnesota with 14 catches for 105 yards, and Cousins salvaged the day with the garbage-time touchdown to Kyle Rudolph. However, however, this was otherwise a lost day for a team that entered the week considered one of the best teams in the NFL. Uh, you know, the Bills, the Bills, uh, according to Oddstruck, the Bills 27-6 win against the Vikings as 16.5-point uh, underdogs today is the biggest outright upset in the, in the NFL since 1992 when the Jets beat the Bills um, as 16.5-point underdogs. The Bills will now uh, hope to keep their momentum going with another tough road game against the Green Bay Packers next Sunday. The Vikings have a short week and a marquee matchup against the Los Angeles Rams on Thursday night football. So that's that. And this was just, again, extremely shocking, but, you know, it's football. Things like this happen. Speaking of football, this has to do with football. Um, Green Bay Packers linebacker Clay Matthews spoke, on, spoke out Sunday after getting called for a controversial roughing the passer penalty during a 31-17 loss to the Washington Redskins. According to Lindsay Jones of The Athletic, Matthews expressed the NFL has gone too far when it comes to protecting quarterbacks. Quote, unfortunately, unfortunately, this league is going in a direction that a lot of people don't like. I think they're getting soft. The only thing hard about this league is the fines they're laying down on guys like me who play the game hard. Matthews was called for a similar roughing the passer penalty against the Minnesota Vikings last week, but he was not fined. After Sunday's game, NFL Football Operations tweeted a video of Matthews' hit on Redskins quarterback Alex Smith and determined that the right call was made. Well, while Matthews' hit arguably looked hard but clean, the NFL announced that he landed on Smith with, uh, quote, all or most of his weight, which is, which is against the rules. Per ESPN.com's Rob Demovsky, Packers head coach Mike McCarthy, was, quote, irate after the call and had to be restrained on the sideline. So uh, the Packers are now 1-1-1, one, one, and one, so they're also struggling. Switching gears now to golf. Tiger Woods is officially back, winning the 2018 Tour Championship for his first PGA Tour victory since 2013. So there you have it. That's all I have to say. He won $10 million. Congrats. That's my golf coverage of the day. Switching gears back to the NFL, the sport we all know and love. Much better than golf. San Francisco 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo could could miss significant time after he was carted off the field with a non-contact injury during Sunday's game lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan said, quote, with Jimmy, we're fearing ACL. We'll find out tomorrow. I haven't had a chance to talk to him yet. I feel for him. He will undergo an MRI on Monday to assess the severity of the injury, according to Mike Garofalo of the NFL Network. A serious injury could be devastating for the QB. The former New England Patriots backup made only two starts in three and a half seasons with the, pet, with the Pats, but found new life after being traded to the Niners last season. He transformed San Francisco on the field, going 5-0 as a starter and posting a 96.2 quarterback rating, and was rewarded in the offseason with a five-year, five-year, $137.5 million contract. So he has taken advantage of the opportunity, totaling 718 passing yards and five touchdowns with three interceptions through three games in 2018. If he doesn't miss time, which he most likely will, the Niners will have to try to survive with C.J. Beathard. Beathard? Beathard? I don't know how to pronounce the last name. At quarterback, so... Good luck with that, San Francisco. Switching gears now to another NFL story, just all NFL today on this podcast mostly. Seattle Seahawks safety Earl Thomas tried to show the Dallas Cowboys what they missed out what they missed out on by bowing to the sidelines after an interception on Sunday. Quote, I felt like that was just in the moment, and if they 
uh, was going to trade for me and extend me, they should have did it. Thomas said after the game per Curtis Crabtree of Pro Football Talk, the Pro Bowler had seven tackles and two interceptions in the 24-13 Seattle win. While the Cowboys were unable to trade for Thomas during the offseason, um, you know, I already covered they might open conversations again, so much of the same. And, um, yeah, uh, just, yeah, that's all we have for the um, breaking news section of uh, this episode. Now I'm going to be transitioning into the L.A. sports teams, starting uh, with the L.A. Dodgers. The Dodgers played the San Diego Padres in, uh, wait a second, the Dodgers played this. The Dodgers played the San Diego Padres in the second of, or no, it was the third of a three-game series. The Dodgers destroyed them fourteen to zero, so the Dodgers improved to eighty-seven and sixty-nine, and the Padres fall to sixty-two and ninety-four. So the Dodgers took two out of three from uh, the Padres, and they went five and one in their last home set of the season. The Dodgers' next game is tomorrow. At 6.40 p.m. Pacific Time, 9.40 p.m. Eastern against the division rival Arizona Diamondbacks, who are out of playoff contention, but will probably try to ruin the Dodgers this season uh, anyway, just for the heck of it. And uh, this is the Dodgers' second last series of the season, regular season. Uh, So that's the Dodgers. The Angels, meanwhile, they lost to the Houston Astros 6-2. So the Angels got swept by the Astros. Not much of a surprise there. The Angels have now lost five straight games. And they open their second last series tomorrow at 7.07 p.m. Pacific Time, 10.07 p.m. Eastern against the Texas Rangers. Taking a look at the MLB standings, the Dodgers are still a game and a half ahead of the Rockies. As uh, the Rockies, I believe, because the Rockies beat the Diamondbacks today 2-0. So since the Dodgers and Rockies won, the Dodgers are only still a game and a half ahead. The Dodgers are red hot 8-2 in their last 10, while the Rockies are... Average five and five in their last ten, and the Diamondbacks, who lost to the Rockies and are playing the Dodgers soon, are a terrible two and eight in their last ten. And the Dodgers' magic number is now six. So, with a Rockies loss or a Dodgers win, that number goes down one to clinch the National League West Division title. The Angels, meanwhile, are still in eight, are still in fourth place in the AL West. They are man, they are bad. They're ten and a half games behind the third place Seattle Mariners. Uh, man, nineteen games behind the second place Oakland Athletics, and twenty three and a half games behind the first place Houston Astros. Two and eight in their last ten are the abysmal LA Angels. The Rams, um, the LA Rams beat the LA Chargers today, thirty five to twenty three. Big win. I'm very happy because I'm a Rams fan. The Rams are now three and zero, oh, and the Chargers are one and two. The battle of the LA teams. The Rams' next game is this Thursday, uh, September 27th at 5.20 p.m. Pacific Time, 8.20 p.m. Eastern against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, you know, Considering how the Vikings looked against the Bills, I think the, the Rams should take this win pretty easily. The game will be broadcasted nationally, nationally on NFL Network and Fox. The Chargers, meanwhile, obviously they lost to the Rams today, but their next game is this Sunday, September 30th at 1.25 p.m. Pacific Time, 4.25 p.m. Eastern against the San Francisco 49ers who are also 1-2. and two. That game will be broadcasted nationally on CBS. Uh, the LA Galaxy, they played today, and they destroyed the Seattle Sounders 3-0. Zlatan Ibrahimovic scored a ninth-minute penalty. Then Ola Kamara scored in the 40th minute, and Emmanuel Boateng put the icing on the cake in the 52nd minute. So this was a must-win game for the LA Galaxy, at least in my opinion, to keep their playoff hopes alive, as the team that they beat, the Seattle Sounders, were holding on to the last playoff spot in the MLS Western Conference and the Galaxy are now 
that much closer to it. The Galaxy's next game is this Saturday, September 29th at 7 p.m. Pacific time, 10 p.m. Eastern against the Vancouver Whitecaps. And that's also a huge game because the Galaxy are currently one point ahead of the Whitecaps, holding on to seventh place in the Western Conference. The LAFC, meanwhile, they are in a much more comfortable position in terms of you know making the playoffs. They did not play today. They won yesterday, as I covered. Their next game is this Saturday, September 29th at 12.30 p.m. Pacific time, 3.30 p.m. Eastern against the Chicago Fire. Taking a look at the MLS standings, the LAFC, are in, they dropped down to third place in the Western Conference. They are one point behind second place Sporting Kansas City and three points behind first place FC Dallas. All three of those teams have 29 matches played. LA Galaxy, meanwhile, are in seventh place with 41 points. So they are now only three points behind sixth place Seattle Sounders, who have 44 points. And uh, that was the team that was uh, that they were that they beat today and that they are chasing. So the Galaxy still have a chance. And as a Galaxy fan, I hope they make it. Switching gears now to UCLA football. UCLA did not play until next Friday, September next Friday, September twenty eighth at six p.m. Pacific time, nine p.m. Eastern, against the Colorado Colorado Buffaloes. That that game will be broadcasted nationally on Fox Sports One. Uh, USC football. They do not play until next Saturday, September 29th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time, 10.30 p.m. Eastern against the Arizona Wildcats, broadcasted nationally on ESPN2. So now covering uh, just the scores uh, across week three of the NFL season to close out this episode of Sean's Sports Show. So... um. Obviously, I covered yesterday the um, or Thursday, excuse me. The Cleveland Browns got a big win over the New York Jets. Baker Mayfield saved the day. Uh, as I covered, the Buffalo Bills destroyed the Minnesota Vikings. That was shocking. Josh Allen had a great game. Kirk Cousins was absolutely garbage. The New York Giants beat the Houston Texans twenty-seven to twenty-two. That was a must-win game for the Giants, who started zero and two, and the Texans fall to zero and three. So after a great start last year, they are not looking good at all. Big win for the Giants. I'm a Giants fan um, after the Rams. Uh, the Washington Redskins beat the Green Bay, Green Bay Packers 31-17. to uh, Aaron Rodgers had a pretty good game, 265 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, you know, uh, the Redskins were just a better team under Alex Smith as QB. Ram, uh, Packers, excuse me, are now 1-1-1, and the Redskins are 2-1-1. Uh, actually, I didn't cover the, the records of the previous teams, so the Jets are 1-2 and, and the Browns are 1-1-1. A lot of ties. Uh, this year, the the Bills after beating the Vikings are one and two, and the Vikings, you guessed it, are one one and one. Uh, the Giants are one and two after beating the Texans, and the Tex after, and the Texans are zero and three. Eli Manning had a great game, twenty five of twenty nine, almost three hundred yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, the Redskins, I covered those guys already. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, beat the San Francisco 49ers thirty eight to twenty seven. The Chiefs were winning at one point, like thirty five to seven, I believe. So they were running away with it, but then the 49ers tried to make a comeback, and they could not. Jimmy Garoppolo was injured, unfortunately. He might have a very bad injury, but uh, coming into the injury, he was great. 20 for 30, 250 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. The Niners now fall to 1-2, and two, and the Red Hot Kansas City Chiefs are 3-0. and oh. You know, under Patrick Mahomes, that guy's just an absolute stud. I mean, he's just an all-time talent, in my opinion. The Miami Dolphins... They're a very surprising team. They beat the Oakland Raiders 28-20, to so the Dolphins are 3-0, and and the Raiders are 0-3. If anything, I would have predicted the opposite of that. Derek Carr of the Raiders was okay, 27-39 of for almost 400, yard, 400 yards, but only one touchdown and two interceptions. 
So the Dolphins are looking good. Um, you know, what can I say? The Philadelphia Eagles played the Indianapolis Colts. It was uh, Carson Wentz's first game back. The Eagles won 20 to 16. So the Eagles are now 2 and 1, and the Colts are 1 and 2. Andrew Luck of the Colts was great 25 of 40, 164 yards, and a touchdown. So, um, you know, uh, Carson Wentz was very good uh, as well 25 of 37, 255 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Not the best, but for his first game back, I think that's more than uh, more than good. In a very strange game, the Tennessee Titans beat the Jacksonville Jaguars nine to six. Not a very common football score. So the Titans are two and one, and the Jaguars are two and one after the result. Marcus Mariota, you know, twelve for eighteen hundred yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Blake Bortles, same story, twenty one for thirty four, hundred fifty five yards, no touchdowns, no picks. I mean, you know. Um, the Jaguars didn't score a touchdown. They had two field goals, and the Titans, I don't think they scored a touchdown either. Yeah, they did not. They had three field goals. So three field goals versus two field goals. Must-see TV right there. Um, the Carolina Panthers beat the Cincinnati Bengals 31-21, so the Bengals are not back down to earth. Each team is 2-1 and one now. Andy Dalton was uh, pretty bad, 29-46. 350 yards is good. Two touchdowns is good, but four interceptions is bad. Cam Newton was good, 15 of 24, 150 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. So that's why the Panthers won the game. The Baltimore Ravens beat the Denver Broncos 27 to 14. On the Broncos, Case Keenum was pretty good. I mean, 22 for 34, almost 200 yards, no touchdowns and an interception. And Joe Flacco, 25 for 40, almost 300 yards, a touchdown and no interceptions. So um, that's that. Uh, let's see, the next game was... This was a very uh, good game. New Orleans Saints um, beat the Atlanta Falcons 43-37 to in overtime. So the Saints are now 2-1, and one, and the Falcons are 1-2. Drew Brees, man, he's an, he's an all-time great. He actually broke the all-time record for completions in NFL history today. So uh, he went 39-49 for 396 yards, three touchdowns and no interceptions. What a beast. Matt Ryan was stellar as well. 26 of 34, 374 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. So battle of the QBs, but Drew Brees was the one that pulled away. Obviously, Rams Chargers, as I covered. Philip Rivers of the Chargers was pretty good. 18 of 30, 226 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. But Jared Goff was very, very good. 29 of 36, 350 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. So, you know, great all around from the Rams. Then it was the Chicago Bears and Arizona Cardinals. The Bears took this 16-14, to 14, so the Bears are 2-1, and one, and the Cardinals are 0-3. Mitch Trubisky, 224 for 35, over 200 yards, no touchdowns and interception. And Sam Bradford, uh, you know, he finally threw a couple touchdowns, but he was injured, and, th and he threw two picks as well. And uh, the Seattle Seahawks played the Dallas Cowboys. Seahawks took it 24-13, so both teams are 1-2 after this game. Dak Prescott threw for 168 yards, so a touchdown and two picks. Russell Wilson was great, 192 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And finally, the, the Detroit Lions beat the New England Patriots 26-10. So both teams are 1-2. Tom Brady, 14 of 26, 133 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Pretty good, but for Tom Brady, pretty bad. What can I say? And the Lions, Matthew Stafford, pretty solid, 27-36, over 260 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. So, you know, that's all we have for the NFL scores. Now we're going to cover the standings to close out this episode. In the AFC East, believe it or not, the Miami Dolphins are first at 3-0. Then the Patriots are second at 1-2. The Bills are third at 1-2. And, and the Jets are last at 1-2. Still very close. AFC West, the Chiefs are first at 3-0. Obviously, then the Chargers are at 2-1. The 
excuse me, the Broncos are at two and one, the Chargers are at one and two, and the Raiders are zero and three. The AFC North is the Cincinnati Bengals are two and one, Baltimore Ravens are two and one, um, Cleveland Browns are one one and one, and Pittsburgh Steelers are last at zero one and one. Man. And finally, AFC South, the Tennessee Titans are two and one, Jacksonville Jaguars are two and one, Indianapolis Colts are one and two, and Houston Texans are zero and three. That's a strange division there too. Now the NFC East, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are two and one, Washington Redskins are two and one, and the Dallas Cowboys and New York Giants are one and two. NFC West, my LA Rams doing great, three and zero, arguably best team in the league, and then the 49ers and Seahawks are one and two, and the Cardinals are zero and three. NFC North, uh, the Bears are two and one. The Packers and Vikings are 1-1-1, and the Lions are last 1-2, but they're looking like a much different team than the team that lost to open the first two weeks of the season. And finally, the NFC South, the Buccaneers are 2-0 because it fits magic. The Saints and Panthers are 2-1, and and the Falcons are 1-2. So that's all we have for this episode of Sean Sports. So this was episode number 145. Every other episode is available on every podcast platform, whatever pod- platform you want. You can listen to my podcast, Sean Sports Show. So uh, if you want to keep this podcast going, uh, please donate whatever you can. I, I pledge to uh, use any money that you do donate uh, for the sole purpose of making this podcast better. So thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you guys on episode number uh, 46, which more likely than not will be recorded and released on Monday, September 24th, 2018. So again, thanks for listening, and I'll see you then.